Well, in the evenings, we've been going through our church mission statement, and uh, we are nearing the end of this little series here. Um, But before we get into it, I'd like to pray, um, ask the Lord's blessing on our spirits and on His Word as it's communicated. Um, So let's pray together. I thank you, Lord, for being near to us in the good, in the bad. Um, Really, all things are good. All things are from you, and all things have a purpose. And Lord, I thank you that we can rest in the fact that if all things have a purpose from you, then there is nothing that is just randomly happening in our lives, and that you have a hand in everything. We may not have all the answers, but we do know that if you're touching everything, then everything is in some way good and redeemable. Lord, I just pray that you would help us to, to not lose sight of the fact that we are not our own, and we are not on our own. Help us to submit ourselves each morning to you and your new mercies that are fresh and available to us as we walk in your spirit. <clears throat> help us not to live in the deception that we can go it alone or that we are going it alone. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to the community that's around us. I pray that you would... Cause, the, cause our hearts of love to throb within us and that we would stop being so me-centered and that we would look to your commission that is outside of us. Help us, Lord, to see the world as you see it. Our life is brief. And help us not to live a life where we regret just spending every moment thinking about ourselves. Open your word to us. Let us see what your will is. In Jesus' name, amen. So let me read the church mission statement for you. We exist to magnify Jesus Christ by proclaiming and displaying his redeeming grace to each other and to our local and surrounding communities. Through Christ's sacrifice, his mercy has triumphed over judgment, and we live to savor and spread this truth. We've made it all the way through the first sentence up until the end. The end is where we are going to be. The end of that first sentence is where we are going to be talking to get today to our local and surrounding communities. Our ministry is. Last time we were together, you and me, we talked about how our ministry should be to each other. We're supposed to be proclaiming the gospel to each other. We're supposed to be serving each other. We're supposed to be taking care of each other as a church body. That's the way we're supposed to stay healthy. If we're not healthy, it's because we're not serving each other appropriately. So we need to take care of each other as a church body. And today we're going to be talking about our local and surrounding communities, the people that are around us, okay? Our primary focus beyond each other is the community that God planted us in. You know, we talk about planting churches, But God is the one who plants the churches. God is the one who places us, gives us influence, gives us light. We're not here by the will of man. We're here by the will of God. And if we're in this community, then God has a mission for us in this community. I love missions. I love the fact that we can serve missionaries financially, with prayers, with a relationship. And those are fantastic relationships to have. Our, fr- our primary focus is our community. 
Okay? Because this is the place that we are. We are not in Africa. Somebody's there, and that missionary can focus on where he's at. And we can help them. But as far as our efforts, our, our passion, our love, that, our home base is here. In our local and surrounding communities, we should support missionaries, because we need to. But our primary focus, first and foremost, starts here. Waverly and our surrounding communities. We have people in Ottawa, Princeton, um, etc. And we need to pour our love and our life into this area and where we have extra time, extra surplus, we can go and help other people as they try to reach their local and surrounding communities. Okay? But we start here. We don't start out there, we start right here. Look at, if you, look at, if you would, with me, Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 to 40. Verse 36. He says, so there's a Pharisee who is really trying to test Jesus, but we're not really going to focus on the test, but we're going to focus on this, this truth that is pointed out. Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. Okay, so we are ready to receive that. That God is... Our first primary focus. We look to Him. We submit to Him. We love Him with everything that we have. And that's where everything else starts. But then Jesus goes on to say, and the second is like it. Okay? Like. Similar. It's one with it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now we're ready as a church to claim the first great commandment. But how ready are we to really act out the second great commandment. Because the first one, we can really take pride in our allegiance to by just doing it philosophically, theologically, doctrinally. Man, I am just all about truth. I'm just all about the authority of Scripture. <clears throat> Man, I'm all about coming to church. But then here, the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Do we really, are we as... Are, do we give as much allegiance to that one as we do the first one? Because, I mean, Jesus did say the, other, the second one's like it. The second one is just like the first one. Just a different dynamic. One is before God and one is before men, but we're supposed to be pouring ourselves into both of these. And here, just in the context of our church mission statement, look at this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We are supposed to be loving our neighbors just the way we love ourselves. Now, what are some ways that, what is he talking about? You, as you love yourself, that kind of sounds conceited, egotistical. But what do you think he's talking about here? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. He's not saying as you love yourself as like, man, you guys are just so full of yourselves. Why don't you just go and you know, serve other people and get rid of this egotistical mindset that you have? Is that what he's saying? That's not what he's saying. I'm just telling you that. It's not what he's saying. So what do you think he could be saying? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. What are some ways that you love yourself just on a daily basis? Well, let's pull back. What's love? 
Anybody have any ideas of what is what love is? And even if you don't have the whole answer, maybe you can give a part of an answer. <laughs> part of the answer. What are, caring. Caring. Love is caring. You care about people. You care about somebody. Yeah? Hopefully we care about our spouses. Like if our spouse is in trouble, we care about that. But what else is love? Is it enough to just care? Yeah, you care enough that you actually act on another person's behalf. Like if my wife is suffering, oh honey, I care about the fact that you're suffering. Now I'm going to go and do what do my own thing. <laughs> you know, that doesn't really communicate to my wife that I actually care. And it probably suggests the fact that I don't actually care. Because caring and acting are supposed to both work together. True caring acts. Well, I've heard it defined love is an action. That's not true either. Because if you just say, well, love is an action, so I'm doing all these things, that means I love. That's not true all, all, always. It's true that love does act, but love is not purely just an action. Because there's lots of us, there's lots of people in the world that do lots of things for lots of different people. But that doesn't mean that their heart is filled with love. You know, when I was working at the wholesale distributor, I was doing a lot of things for a lot of people. That doesn't mean I loved what I was doing. <laughs> that doesn't mean I loved the people that I was doing it for. It doesn't mean that I felt this driven purpose behind the fact that, I, man, I got those chips to go, get on time. Man, I, I'm so fulfilled by that because I care so much about people getting their chips. That's not what that meant, but I was doing a lot of things for people in that process. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The first thing in the fruits of the Spirit, exactly, and I'm glad you brought that up. Because why is it called a fruit of a Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit. Why is it called that? Why isn't it just said the fruit of self-effort? You know, because this is something that comes from God, first and foremost. Right. So, the, so we need to step back and realize, if we're going to have tr the true love, the true love that comes from God, we have to rely on the Spirit. We have to get it from Him. We have to draw it from Him. That's why it says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That comes from God, and that's where the rest of it starts. Because it's first and foremost all about God. And there are times where we just don't feel very loving, aren't there? And in those times, what do we do? Well, I'll just cure it by going and doing things. Sometimes that's part of the process. But first and foremost, we must look to the cross. We must look to God. We must seek His um, love for the Spirit to breathe that upon us. Because this effectual love is something that comes from the Spirit. And we, can, we build our love by walking in the Spirit. <coughs> by following and utilizing what He already gives us. But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love, it's you care, and you, that care acts. You see your neighbor in need. And you don't just say, oh, I just pray the Lord will bless you. But if you have the ability to go and help, you go and help. If you see that your neighbor is not a believer, and that actually affects you in some way, and you're like, I have this great grace of Jesus Christ. He doesn't, or she doesn't. They need to have this. I want them to have this. I'm enjoying the favor of God, and they're over there 
under the great burden of sin. I need to go and help that person. Not for my own sake, not because I'm a, I'm, I have some sort of allegiance to an ideological framework that happens to be religious, because I love Christ, He loves me, and I want to bring this guy into that. <laughs> I want to bring this guy into the favor of God have, so his sins can be forgiven, so he could have eternal hope. That's part of what it means by you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? As yourself. So we care about the things that we need, right? If we don't have any food, well, we care about that. <laughs> and we do what we need to do to go and get some. If I'm, if I'm suffering in some way, I'm going to go try to alleviate that somehow because I don't want to suffer anymore. Um... So, in that sense, what are some of the ways that we care about ourselves and act on our own behalf? What are some of the ways we just do that in everyday life? Clean ourselves. Yeah. We clean ourselves, we take care of ourselves, we feed ourselves, because we care about that part of ourselves. We care that we're, that we're presentable, so we take care of that. We care that we're hungry, so we take care of that. <laughs> what are some other things? <clears throat> we need money, so we go get a job. Unfortunately, we need money to live, right? <laughs> Necessary evil. Man, I don't have a job. Well, I care about that, so I'm going to go and look for a job. Because I want to take care of myself. So you have this care about something in your life that you act on to fulfill. So then you take care of the things that you buy with your money. Yeah, right. Homes and cars. Mm -hmm. Right, right. I care about my home, so I take care of it. <laughs> if it's something's broken, I fix it. If it's missing something, I provide it. Now he's saying in this second commandment, you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. So now it's kind of like you're, you know, you've heard the saying, have, have you walked a mile in my shoes? <laughs> have you walked a mile in your neighbor's shoes? In a way, the way you fulfill this commandment is you see your neighbor in need, and it's almost like you put yourself in their position. If I were them, what would I want? What would I need? How could I love on that person? Well, what do they need? If you care about that person, well, act in such a way, you know, that you, that you would want somebody to help you with. You know, if you were in that position, how would you want help? You know, it's kind of funny, like, how many times do you have, like, I mean, I'm not complaining, okay, I'm just using it as an example. How many times you've had a birthday or Christmas go by, and people buy you gifts that they want you to have, but you don't want it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because they are buying you a gift from their perspective. Like, I want you to have this, even though they should know that I don't care about this. You know? And when we are giving gifts to somebody, we think, well, what would they want? Not, what do I want them to have? What would they want? So, love your neighbor as yourself. Think, okay, I see a neighbor. What, what do they need? Like, they're in trouble. How can I help them? alleviate this problem that they have. 
Now, sometimes people need to be given something that they don't want because they don't really know what they need. Okay, that's not that's that's also a part of this because they anyway. But the whole point of this is you love yourselves. We take care of ourselves. We need to go out and take care of other people with as much passion as we would do for ourselves. That is purely taking taking this commandment seriously. So yeah, I have needs. I take care of my needs, but I'm also going to flip it around. These all these people have needs. I'm going to do what I can to go and help everybody else with their needs, physical or spiritual. Do I enjoy the favor of God? Well, then let me go and help, let other people have some of that too. Do I enjoy, you know, the fact that I get to that I have a job? Well, this guy is homeless. He's, he doesn't have a job. How can I help this guy go get in, go get a job? Can I help him in such 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 in some way? Yeah. Yeah. You know, the horse has died on somebody, and he says, well, let me pray for you. And then mm-hmm. he says, what am I doing? I can give him my horse. Yeah. Instead of just, you know, yeah. showing that I care, but I, I can actually do something. Right. And it's in my power to do it. And right. That was one of the big lessons out of that. Yeah. That movie Shefty. So the personal sacrifice, simply because he saw somebody who needed a horse. He had one, so here, have it. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I've seen that movie a couple of times. It's been years though, so I don't remember that Me part. Too. But <laughs> yeah, you know. But you said a key thing there: personal sacrifice. Yeah. And I don't know of any instance where I've ever done something for somebody else <clears throat> that I haven't had a sacrifice in it. Mm-hmm. And it might just be sacrificing not getting my dishes done or something mm-hmm. that simple. But there's a sacrifice. It's not just mm-hmm. an easy thing to go out and just do something yeah. for somebody. There's always a sacrifice to mm-hmm. it. And I think that's important to yeah. Yeah, and there's always there's, look at that. Right. Yeah. The sacrifice if if there's no sacrifice then there's not really I mean every there, the world operates like that. The world will give when it doesn't really hurt, right? You know, sure, I'll help you, but I'm not really going to inconvenience myself or, you know, sacrifice anything. Yeah, maybe I'll give you some time, but I wasn't really doing anything anyway, so it's not really that much of a sacrifice, you know, or whatever. But, like, God's love is different. God's love, you always see Jesus who completely poured his entire self out on our behalf. Why? Because we needed redemption, he was willing to suffer that and die and experience this, this um, the Father turning his face away and suffering in such a way so that we could experience redemption, so that we could have that. That's a big sacrifice, completely emptying himself out of everything. Glory, honor, power, life itself. When was the last time we suffered when it hurt? Sacrificed because we loved somebody. So we gave something, somebody, that actually put us in a really bad position. Have we ever done that? Man, I'm really in a bad position now because I did this. And sometimes we've done that. Sometimes we are merciful to people, and they take advantage of that, and they put us in a really bad position. Does that mean you should regret being merciful to that person? No. That's the kind of sacrifice we should find ourselves in, where the world would regret it because of the position it put you in, but the way of Christ is different. 
They may have put us in a bad position, but that's exactly the kind of sacrifice that means something, spiritually speaking. The kind of sacrifice that kind of puts you in a bad place. But you loved that person. You were showing mercy to that person. You were taking care of that person. So, you were merciful in a big way. And now you're in, maybe you're lacking, but there's no regret in that. That's, that's where you really start earning the, spiritual, the, the heavenly treasures. Not that you're doing it for personal gain, but heavenly treasure is earned where you miss out here. When you're missing out here, that's when your heavenly treasures are stored up there. Because you are living in God's economy of mercy, generosity, peace, thankfulness, loving kindness. That's his economy. That's his money. Yeah. I think it's interesting that the word neighbor is just the word neighbor. It's yeah. not uh, specified. Mm -hmm. It's not that they're, they are of the same faith as we are. Right. They are um, clean. Mm-hmm. Uh, the breath doesn't smell. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you're doing things for people, um, God didn't say in the Bible here that we get to choose. Yeah. And that's exactly what Jesus was talking about with the parable of the Good Samaritan. The parable of the Good Samaritan came from asking the question, some, somebody asking the question, who's my neighbor? So Jesus got the story together about the Samaritan who helps a Jew. Two people who shouldn't be interacting, culturally speaking. So who's your neighbor? Who cares? Just go help. You're the, you be the neighbor <laughs> that helps the other guy. You know? So yeah. There's no, there's no limits as far as who we're supposed to love. Matthew 5, just to keep, keep this moving, Matthew chapter 5 Verses 13 to 16, which we read this morning, which is kind of funny because I didn't plan for these to intersect like this. It says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that you may see so they may see your good works, and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So we are supposed to be shining all of this to our community. Our effect should not be isolated to those who are in this building. Our effect needs to go out and beyond to our, into our communities and as far as the Lord gives us opportunity to reach, starting here in this community. You know, it says, you know, so you have both of these. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden. Okay, so that's the far-reaching view. You see this at the nighttime. There's this hill far away. But if there's a light on on a house on that hill, you can see it for miles. But then you also have the lamp that gives light to all who are in the house. So you have the people who are in the close proximity, and you have those who are a little bit further. So we shine our light to those who are near and to those who are farther. The point being, when we go out into this world, our good works, the light of the gospel, these things must be given to the people in the community. They must see it. It must be tangible. 
not just, well, I just kind of do my thing. I'm a good person. I make sure I don't ruin my testimony. Um, when there's an opportunity, I'll say a little something here. No, we are out in that community shining our light, and the people cannot deny that it's there. Because you can't look up into the night sky and deny the fact that there are some beautiful stars up there. Because they're clear. They're very clear to anybody who will look. So our effect in this community should be very clear to anybody who's looking, who's part of this community. And since we talked about that more this morning, we'll just move on to the next one. Yeah, go ahead. And that's the goal. We want people to be drawn into a relationship with Christ. But there's also an element of that where we care about the people around us. We care about them. And when you live in a bigger city, the light doesn't shine so far. Yeah. When you live in a small town, it only takes one action and all that True. Right. <laughs> right. So, You're right. You want it to be good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's like psychological Right. And if we know that we have the truth, if we know that we are, I mean, we have Christ. You know, he's been good to us. And it's just that parable of the, the master who is merciful to his servant who owes him so much. But then, and it's not like, and then the guy, and then the master forgave that servant of his entire debt, a debt he could never repay. There was nothing in that contract about, now if I forgive your debt, you need to go and forgive other people's debts. But there's still that implied expectation, like you've, been, you've received so much from me, and yet you go and you don't even show a little forgiveness to somebody else? How in the world can you, can you, keep, can you be like that? You know, so he went and condemned that man. You know, and we have received so much from Christ... It's supposed to be natural for us to go and give. We're supposed to be givers, not just constant takers. And I feel like that's, that's a danger of many churches where we come and we're satisfied just learning, taking it all in, soaking it all up, which we should be learning and soaking in God's Word and praying with each other. That should happen. But there's the danger of just being satisfied with that, that, we're, not, that we are, we're just big black holes where we're constantly getting and getting and getting, but we're never actually giving off anything. We're supposed to be the sun, the light, that's always giving, always giving, and always on fire. <laughs> it's, always, it's, it's always burning, always giving, just because of the nature of what it is. I mean, that's... 
<clears throat> that's, how, that's, that's how we're supposed to be as a church. We're not supposed to be people sitting here taking in all the time and never giving. We're supposed to be people giving as we're receiving from the Lord. important and we need to be listening to the spirit because there are opportunities that I think that God is trying to point at us but like we're not really in the mode of going out and giving we're kind of in the mode of this is my life I'm living my life I'm doing my thing yeah I know everybody's got needs but I can I'm taking care I I can't take care of everybody so I'm just going to focus on my little thing that I'm going on right now that's going on right now and we need to change our mind frame who's around me who can I see? Who, I need to see people. I need to see people in their needs. And like, God, how can I help this person rather than God help this person? <laughs> you know, that's a, we need a change of reference because God gave us to change the world. He did, you know, God changes the world. Yeah, I understand all that. But we're here and we are supposed to be the hands and feet of Christ. So we need to have this frame of reference, frame of mind. Like, God, how can I help the people around me? Not just God help the people around me. We should be praying that too, but along with it, how can I be part of your blessing this community? What can I do? Rather than just, man, I'm really having a good time learning. <laughs> you know, the learning has to be for something. We're not just supposed to be black holes sucking in everything. We should suck in everything that's in here. But God has given us a commission to go out and take it somewhere and do something with it. Destruction. <laughs> right. They're going to die. Yeah. So that's kind of a symbol for right. you know, our light doesn't shine. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Kind of right. Yep. And another thing that I was thinking about, like, you're a teacher, right? How many times, well, you were a teacher, whatever. <laughs> However you want to say that. <laughs> How many students have you had that are like, man, you're just, you have so much ability, you just need to apply yourself, Right. <laughs> you know, I was told that many times <laughs> as a kid. <laughs> um, Some of them eventually get it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but sometimes we sit here and we are so full of truth, but we're not really applying ourselves. We're not really applying that truth. We're not doing anything with it. We have a lot of it. We're just not doing anything with it. We're not letting it soak in and really become part of us. 
so that it puts us to motion. We need to be, yeah. emotion when you're walking with God really while you're moving you're doing something with God so I think it's a good suggestion as we go out this week ask God show me something that I can do for somebody he will I mean every I mean sometimes it's not that hard you know there's people that we know that have needs so pick someone to do something for them just do it for the sake of God's glory, right? It's not so that people can see your good works, period. So they can see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven. Yeah, pray for somebody. Got, you know, there's this person. I'm just going to go help them. <laughs> I'm just going to go do something for them. <clears throat> and I'm going to sit down. I'm going to talk to them. And hopefully it'll be a really good God-honoring conversation. Pray for open doors for communication because sometimes that's the hardest part. You know, sometimes the easy part is saying, hey, there's a person who has a need and I have something that I can help with. That's sometimes the easy part. The hard part is, how can I turn this conversation around into something that is spiritually edifying, upbuilding, evangelistic? <clears throat> and just to close, I want to read this last verse. James 1.27 says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this. To visit widows and orphans, to, or to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Okay, so you stay separate from the world as far as sin is concerned. But what is, what is this undefiled impurity, this undefiled purity in our religion? Religion, let me define what is religion. Does anybody have an idea of what religion means? Religion simply means a way of expressing your faith. You know, there are different religions that have different rules. These are rules that we follow to express our denomination, our belief, our faith. Without ways of expression, there really is no religion. It's just, you know, kind of an ideological ethical system or whatever. But religion is simply a way to express your, it's a way that a particular group expresses their faith. And James is saying religion that is pure, okay, this pure, undefiled expression of faith is this, visiting orphans and widows in their affliction and keeping yourself unstained from the world. You follow the ways of God, and you go out 
and you serve the people who are in need. Particularly, he, he particularly points out orphans and widows. Why do you think he specifically hones in on those two, orphans and widows? What do those two have in common? They have deep needs, right? They have nobody else. Nobody else is going to be able to provide for them. And they can't give you anything in return. They are just need. They don't have anything to offer you. Widows indeed, that's Morse talking about. We can talk about widows indeed another time. <clears throat> but people who are truly in need, who have nobody else, nobody else is going to take them up and provide for them and help them. And they have nothing to offer you in return. That's pure religion, to go and help the helpless, expecting absolutely nothing in return, sacrificing giving from yourself without replacing what you've, what you've given with something that was paid to you. You know, this is not a transaction. Pure religion isn't, all right, widow, I'll come and do this for you as long as you give me 50 bucks. <laughs> That's just a transaction. That's just a business. Religion that is pure and defiled is to just go and empty yourself on behalf of somebody else who can't help themselves. That's pure, undefiled religion. And this is how we should be in our community. People who aren't asking for anything. I mean, we'll do, you know, and this is a, something we can run into. We only want to do the things that are going to bring people in. That's what a lot of churches can fall into. I'll do this stuff for the community as long as there's some hope that we're get, we'll get more members. That's not pure undefiled religion. Pure undefiled religion is to just give up yourself without expecting anything in return. We hope people come to know the truth, okay? But pure and undefiled religion is to just go and give, just to go and serve while keeping yourself in line with God's ways. Any, any other comments or questions? Yeah. Yeah. And you look so many times when you just going about the things that you do, and a lot of people are just enduring their jobs. They right. hate it. Right. They don't want to be there, and it's so obvious. Right. But how can you be a joy to them? Yeah. Just being salt and light, and sometimes I think sometimes it throws people. It catches them really off guard when someone's just kind. Yeah. Yep. You're right. No, and that's a very good point because, you know, how many, how many people have been turned off to Jesus Christ? Not because of the foolishness of the gospel, but because of the foolishness of the person. <laughs> you know, the fact that this person, that's not what I want to be. I mean, they're not even happy. <laughs> they don't even. They don't even like Jesus. <laughs> Here's a track. Right. Right. You know. <laughs> you know. And it's like, how in the world are we supposed to convince the world that this is the majestic, glorious gospel when we're just moping? You know, we don't even like it. <laughs> you know, and it's not, it's not, you know, the gospel isn't there just to make you happy. But like, if you don't like the fact that you're forgiven and you have an eternal inheritance in front of you and that Jesus is your Savior, what? 
you're distracted, right? You want more. You're entitled. You feel entitled to some sense of pleasure. But anyway, yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. You know, the way we present it is a huge deal, <laughs> and it makes or breaks, you know, what you're trying to do. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunities that you're about to give us this week. Help us to be selfless. Because I know that some days it's just like, I don't want to, I'm tired. I'm already depleted. I don't want to go and serve somebody else. I wish somebody would just come and serve me for once. I know that I know that many of us have felt that. I know I felt that before. But Lord, if, we, if there are things like that that come up this week, Lord, I pray that you'd humble us. Um... Help us to just know the Spirit, to walk in Him, in His ways. Help us to listen. And help us to see the people that are near us. Not just be among them, but really see them. And care about them and serve them. In Jesus' name, amen.